We are stoked you're on board for another episode of Perkett Pod. We've hit blackjack on this episode. This is epi number 21 and many more coming weekly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. We'll keep cranking them out. We've been getting great feedback, but I welcome input. If there's a guest you want me to track down, let me know. I'll see if I can shake the tree and get who you want to hear from on another episode. We're immersing ourselves this week, though, in the world of esports with the COO of Minnesota Rocker and Version 1, Brett Diamond. Perkipon, sometimes he's at play. Perkipon, find out what he'll say. Perkipon, who's coming on today? Perkipon. Esports, they're not even emerging anymore. They are firmly entrenched and getting exponentially bigger each year, which brings us to Random Ranks. This time on Random Ranks, the top 11 names for video games that aren't video games, but that would be cool names for video games. <laughs> okay, I just came up with these, all right? Just bear with me. They might be obtuse. Roll with it. Number 11, Rigor X. I don't know what that means. It just sounds badass. Number 10, Malachi and the Underdwellers. Yeah, I could I could see that. Number nine, Chain Reactor. Ooh, intriguing. <laughs> Number eight, I think this one is like some sort of jumping from a plane kind of thing. I'm not even sure. Number eight, Cargo Hold. I don't know. That one sounds kind of lame. Number seven, Vaccine Maureen. I don't know. Seems dark. Number six, the cult hoarder. <laughs> okay, now that's just in the abyss of darkness right there. Number five, streak snakes. I don't know. I don't. I, this one's kind of like centipede. I think I'm not sure. Number four, Optima seduction. <laughs> that sounds like a, you know a sexy transformer movie or something. All right, number three, Razor's Edge. I don't know. That's just too cliche. Number two, cannibals and cannonballs. Right? <laughs> Man-eating gunpowder kind of game? I don't know. And number one, for the best name for a video game that doesn't exist, Feast Flight. Yes. I mean, that has so many, so many ways it could go. It'd be awesome. All right, our guest this week on Perkett Pod is Brett Diamond. Brett was with the Vikings in the NFL before he transitioned to the world of esports, specifically the Call of Duty League, where the expansion team Minnesota Rocker launched. Brett is the COO not just of Rocker, but also Version 1, a recent incarnation in both Rocket League and Valorant. Esports is going in such an exciting direction, and Brett is seeing it all unfold and executing it on the front lines. Here now, our conversation with Brett Diamond. When you try to explain to people why you would leave the Minnesota Vikings in a pretty good role, because what was your official title there, Brett? Uh, my last role was Director of Partnership Strategy, and I'd been in the partnerships group for about three years. Yeah. And, and that was going well for you. I know it was. And, and you were doing a lot of great things there. And then, and then what how do you justify a shift like this? And obviously it's, a, it's a, knowing what I know, it's, it seems like a thrilling opportunity, but, but you know, how would, how did you say it all went down and, and what made you kind of just flip the script here? 
Yeah, it, it was really interesting because in some ways it brought together a lot of things that that I viewed as personal goals of mine, or I would say professional goals of mine, um, where there was a part of me that always loved the idea of working for an expansion team. And and I would say that was on my professional bucket list. Now, now I can't say that you know, early in my career, I envisioned that being in esports. I mean, when I started in, in working in the NFL office in 2005, esports was, I mean, I guess some people would say it was a thing back then, but certainly wasn't on my radar. Um, but, you know, I, I really had a professional fascination with the emergence of the esports industry for a few years before I got actively involved in it. Um, and when the Wilf family, specifically Jonathan Wilf, who, who is the, um, he is uh, Ziggy's son, He's a member of the, he's a Vikings executive as well, but he functions as the president and the representative of the, of the ownership group um, in what we do, um, essentially the, the representative of the Wilf family in our, in our operations um, on the esports side. Um, Jonathan Wilf called me one day and, um, and said that they were in the final stages of looking at acquiring an esports team. I had been involved in some of the Vikings esports initiatives uh, for a few years. Um, and had had some conversations along the way as the ownership group was thinking about investing in the esports space. Um, but as soon as you know, I had a lot of questions for for John when he when he called me, and and it, over the course of a few conversations, uh, most of those questions, um, you know, were answered. We had we had probably th two or three really good discussions um, before we sort of started to go down the road. Um, but it was also one of those things where from the you know, from the first, the second the words left his mouth, I knew this was going to be a really unique and amazing opportunity. Um, and, and I had questions, you know, I had a lot of questions, but immediately, immediately was, was drawn to it. And it's such a unique opportunity to be able to build a brand from scratch. It's a brand that now multiple brands with what we've gotten involved in that didn't exist, you know, as employee number one, built, hiring a great staff and we brought on some amazing people. Um, developed two brands that literally didn't exist uh, a couple of years ago, and now we get to see those um, on merchandise. And and I'm, you know, I know this is audio only, so people won't see me pointing to the logos. He's got a sweet um, hat, that, folks. Yeah, yeah, but that's just such an amazing and unique experience to build something um, literally from nothing. And, and that I was really drawn to that in, in an emerging space and an emerging industry. Yeah, you got to applaud the the Wolf's vision to to capture that and, and realize that and and then move forward with it and execute it. It was was Call of Duty the the original kind of concept of this is what we want to dive into first, or was it just hey let's start an esports franchise and figure out then from there what what game to go into? Yeah, there's there's really two ways to answer that. Um, by the time that I came on board, um, we were essentially at the at the one yard line for securing a Call of Duty League franchise. Um, now the Will family uh, through Wise Ventures, which is their sort of investment arm in sports entertainment and technology outside of the Vikings, Wise, Ventured at, Wise Ventures had been exploring the esports space for a few years. So in many ways, the Will family had identified esports as an area they wanted to get into from an investment standpoint, uh, probably a few, you know, two years earlier. Um, and they could kick tires on a few things and looked at a number of different options along the way. And, and I was, I would say I was an informal advisor at various points in that process uh, because I had knowledge of the space. And so they brought me into some of the conversations. Um, but the, it didn't, I would say it was not real until they, they found the call of duty opportunity to be the right one. And there were a number of reasons for that. 
you know, first of all, the, the demographics of a Call of Duty fan align probably the most closely with a traditional sports fan or a Vikings fan, NFL fan. Um, but also, you know, Call of Duty itself is a longstanding successful game franchise. It's the most, you know, the highest selling video game um, franchise of the last 20 years. When you look at it from a revenue and a business standpoint, it rivals Star Wars and Marvel and and some of the some of the biggest brands across all of entertainment, um, and it has that staying power. And so it was it, that was what gave the ownership group the confidence that that Call of Duty was the right first move to get into the esports scene as the as that first step. And and the intention was always to grow from there. More with Brett Diamond in just a bit when Perkett Pod continues. But first, I want to introduce you folks to a guy that is sitting across from me right now, looking awfully dapper, by the way. <laughs> Michael Bryant, thanks so much for being here and joining us on Perkett Pod. I am glad to be here. Tell us about yourself. I, I know you're obviously the Bryant of Bradshaw and Bryant. Um, tell us about Bradshaw and Bryant. Bradshaw and Bryant is a law firm that does plaintiff's personal injury. We represent people who are injured through no fault of their own, and we also do criminal defense. So we have a full-time criminal lawyer. I've done criminal work since I started with John Bradshaw back in 1991. I still do a little bit of criminal, but for the most part, I do plaintiff personal injury and represent lots of people in car accidents. Uh, I do a number of cases involving survivors that have been sexually abused. And then we get involved in a number of different personal injury type cases. So you're a busy guy. I try to be. You mentioned Bradshaw, not Terry Bradshaw from the Pittsburgh Steelers from, <laughs> from the days of yore, right? I mean, this is, no, yeah. uh, not that guy. But but what, <laughs> but what about your team? How, how many how many how many are on your uh, are on your side there? Well, we have two lawyers in the Minneapolis office, mm-hmm. uh, and then in St. Cloud we have uh there's five of us so i think total i have anywhere between seven and nine depending on how you do the math and you're a sports fan too a uh, very big sports fan i grew up in rhode island and uh I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, no matter what. And then I moved to Minnesota in 1982 and got infected with, you know, liking the Vikings and and caring about the Twins. And and you played sports, too, growing up, right? I played hockey. I was a goaltender. Uh, I played some juniors, and I played, uh, I was going to play college hockey, and then found out there was a lot more to life than stopping hockey pucks. And again, where can people reach you, Mike? People can reach us at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. We have a place you can comment there, and there's also a chat that pops up there. Or they can call 800-770-7008. Great chatting with you. Thanks for being a friend of Perkett Pod here, and we'll uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you. Perk and Pod. Yeah, yeah. Was it hard to leave your NFL world and your roots in in that league? A little bit. It definitely was was a little bit of an adjustment the first season, uh, particularly. And and I'm still a big Vikings fan. I watch every I watch every game. I will say it's, you know, I don't live and die with it quite the way I used to. Of course, now I live and die with people playing video games and our wins and losses there, just the way I used to uh, with the Vikings. So. Um, so my stress level on game days, they're not as high as a, a, on a Vikings game day, but they're higher on a, you know, in a different way on different, different level. Um, you know, so it was, it was definitely different. I'd, I'd worked in the NFL my whole career um, at the league level with the NFL office before I came to the Vikings. Um, but it was a, it was a great, a great opportunity to really do something new and, and, and just, you know, like I said before, just an opportunity to build something from the ground up was so unique. Could, 
uh, couldn't pass that up. And so Minnesota Rocker was born. And what is the name? R-O-K-K-R. A, a lot of people are, uh, somehow don't know how to pronounce that yet, but, but I guess, <laughs> no, like, is it Roker? Is it, no, it's not like Al on, yeah. on the Today Show. It's, we, this is Rocker. Folks. <laughs> we, we pronounce it Rocker. It's funny. We, when we were doing the branding, and we actually used the Vikings extremely talented design team to do the initial branding for, for Minnesota rocker um, because we didn't, we had no staff at the time. It was literally just me um, plus a few people from the wise ventures group. Um, and, and um, the great, uh, the great design team at the Vikings, um, Aaron Swartz is their uh, brand director and uh, Dane Kuhn, who has since now we hired Dane away from the Vikings. So he works with us on our nice. creative team. Um, but they, they, uh, they, we worked on the branding process with them, but it was funny early on, we had that question. How do you pronounce, you know, rocker with, you know, with the O slash through it. And um, there was, a, there, there's a, a woman on the staff at the Vikings, um, Ganetta uh, Seska, who is, who is from Norway. And we asked her, do you know, like, how, how would you pronounce this thing? She kind of laughed and said, look, you're never really going to be able to pronounce that letter. It's sort of like, it's a vowel that doesn't really exist in the English language. It's like a sort of a roll of the tongue that I couldn't even do. And so her advice was pronounce it however you want, because it doesn't really exist in the English language. So we went with rocker, plenty of people call it, you know, say roker, but, uh, but rocker is the correct pronunciation. <laughs> Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, you guys have a, a phenomenal setup there. Um, when you launched, it was important to kind of make a big splash and get on the map in a big way. And you were able to do that uh, by partnering up with the Armory there and having a, a live event for people. And, and can you talk to me about that and how, how splashy and sexy that was and, and why that was important to do? Yeah, absolutely. You know, for all the talk about how esports exists in the digital world, and it certainly does, and we've certainly you know seen that throughout the the last year of the pandemic, the best version of an esports event is in person as a live event, just like any sports sporting event. Um, when we in, in the initial when we were initially working to secure the the right to the franchise for Minnesota. Um, we included in that that we wanted to host the first event in the history of the league and we wanted to do it at the armory and, and there were a number of people that were involved um, in Activision Blizzard the game publisher that functions as our league who we were who we were essentially making the bid the bid pitch to um, we're familiar with the armory from um, from Super Bowl concerts and Final Four obviously the, the armory's hosted some amazing events and it's just a phenomenal phenomenal venue um, so we had our sights on the Armory from the beginning. Um, it was a great partnership uh, with the folks there. Um, and it was really an amazing opportunity for us as a new organization to put ourselves on the map, both in the, in the consciousness of the esports scene generally, because a lot of, a lot of call them mover, movers, movers and shakers in the esports scene came here to Minneapolis for that event. Uh, but it was also a great way to really put Minnesota on the map and put Minneapolis and St. Paul on the map as a, as a destination for these types of events, which I think there will be more of those in the future. I think they will be great opportunities for the community to draw crowds and particularly, you know, you know, big crowds of younger people to events. Um, obviously at the time we had, you know, we didn't know that we, the, that we were going to be two months away, less than that really from a, you know, from a global pandemic that would put the live event industry at a full stop. Um, but especially in that context, being able to host that first event um, for, you know, for the local fan base really 
really gave us a, a leg up in terms of what we were trying to build uh, with a fan base locally and a presence nationally for the brand. And so on this episode of Perkett Pot, I'm, I'm trying to serve sort of two audiences. I'm trying to serve, you know, the audiences that might want to know, that do know Rocker already and, and understand the brand and understand esports landscape. But I also kind of want to broad stroke it a, a bit for, for the folks that might just be diving into esports for the first time or trying to wrap their, their brains around how big this has gotten. Um, so if you would just kind of speak to when you talk about Minnesota Rocker being in this league, um, and and they are playing Call of Duty. Um, how does the format work? You have several players. They're all playing the same game. It's a team game. It's all on one big screen. They're going up against another team. They're trying to shoot each other and kill each other and get points. I'll let you like honestly kind of lay it out for me yeah. in in without going too deep here, but but because <laughs> I know you can. But yep. like but if you would just kind of lay it out for me. Yeah. Well, I'll preface this by saying, feel free to interrupt me and redirect me at any time. It's okay. to keep this relevant and I can go way down the rabbit hole. But, you know, at, starting at its most basic, these are the best players in the world at this particular video game. And, and the way we view esports broadly, I mean, it is the best in the world at what they do. And any time that you put, you, anytime you have that, whether the thing that they're doing is throwing a ball or catching a ball or playing an instrument um, or acting. If you're the best at the world at your craft, at your thing, and there are people interested in watching that, you know, that's entertainment. And that's something you can, you know, you can build, build around. And, and, and that's really, you know, we really view esports as the future of sports, of the sporting and entertainment world. And, you know, it'll, you know, it's in the, the, this is essentially the NFL in the 1920s. Um, and I'm a big, you know, I'm a big nerd on NFL history. And there's just so many parallels where you have teams that will, you know, will be in a league one year and then gone the next in the, in the, in the 1920s NFL world. And it's similar in esports, but the, the teams that, you know, that did it right and built good, you know, built fan bases in the 1920s, you know, the Packers, the Steelers, the Giants, you know, those are teams that are still around today. And there's a lot of teams that played in the 1920s that nobody's ever heard of, right? Um, so that's sort of, you know, that's not really answering your question. So I'll get back on track, but, you know, that's sort of a, an abstract lens for those who aren't familiar with it. Um, so the, the three games that we're in, Call of Duty with Minnesota Rocker, and then under our version one brand, we're in Rocket League and Valorant. So I'll start with Call of Duty since that's the one you asked about. Um, it's it's four four players against four players, and they play a number of different game modes within Call of Duty, and they're all objective based. They're not just about shooting the other team and you know and eliminating them in the game. Um, we try to avoid the word the word killing uh, in our Sorry. in our marketing materials. No, you can say it. You can say it. I'll just dodge. No. Um, so they're all objective based, right? So the four players are looking to secure an area. And to do that, you eliminate the other team so you can control the area. And there's three different game modes. They, you know, they're, they're all a little bit different. And some of them you can win if the other team, you know, essentially runs out of lives. Um, but it's all very competitive. It's, it's fast-paced action. Um, it's, it's been really interesting to watch um, for both myself. I, I, I was not a fan of that game before I took on this role. Um, but myself and several other of our staff that were new to esports, I mean, we now live and die it. And we, you know, I actually find some of the games that we play 
more entertaining than I than I did traditional sports um, because the action is just so fast paced and 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 so intense. Um, you know, from a league standpoint, it's a lot of what's happening in the esports world in general is you're sort of evolving. You're seeing evolution from um, from loosely affiliated leagues and 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 structures that almost look and feel a little bit more like your uh, your sort of beer league softball or beer league hockey league. Um, it's evolved over the last even four or five years um, into more formalized league structures that look and feel a lot more um, like you would see in traditional sports. And that's what we have with Call of Duty specifically. It's very structured. There is a, a league, a league office that functions like the NFL office does. And we have it as a team have a similar relationship that the Vikings have with, you know, with the NFL office. Um, they have policies, they set schedules. Um, we play generally from a scheduling standpoint, we'll play five matches over the course of three weeks. And then that will determine seating for a tournament that's, that's referred to as a major. So, you know, similar to, to golf from a formatting perspective, um, there's there's five major tournaments per year, okay. and then at the conclusion of the fifth major, um, then there's playoffs. Eight teams make the playoffs, and then they go at it to to crown a champion at the end of the year. And how many teams um, are in the, the league? Games, yeah. How many teams are in the league? Uh, there's uh, twelve total teams in the league right now. Yeah, yeah, and then and then so it is wins losses, it is standings. You're keeping record of all that. I would imagine there's statistics as well. Yep individual statistics so 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 people can you know with that are standouts can eventually do better in the league maybe get better opportunities <laughs> and whatnot right yep yeah yep yeah exactly and we actually spend a lot of time um figuring out like what statistics to to put on our website to help new fans understand it um our our website i'll give a shameless plug here our website um version one.gg the gg is a gamer term but most most websites in our, our space have that um uh, for all of our matches we'll have um, we'll have scores and and stats that relate to the game um and again it's different for for each of the three different game titles that we're in but we try to we try to have information and content on the website that can help new fans um learn the game and and just come along for the ride because it is new and we do have to build we have a, a saying here we have to build the fan base one fan at a time more into the world of esports with brett diamond when perkett pod returns but first we got to take this time to chat with sean bernard who is kind enough to be here with us today sean bernard is an as a real estate agent for edina realty kind of a rock star real estate agent aren't you <laughs> I have fun, man. That's a, that's the a reason why I'm glad that I did this partnership with you and sponsor your show is that we both have a similar mindset that we are going to have a good time. Well, we appreciate you, you know, being a friend of, of, of Perkett Pod and, and helping us out in so many ways. But if you would talk about your, your agency and and, uh, and what you're able to do as an agent. Well, yeah, you know, it, it really comes down to the homework, you know, doing your homework, doing the research. And I pride myself on that. I learned a long time ago that I'm a big nerd. This time of the year, what I'm really working on is people that are planning three to six to nine months from now. Uh, if people are interested, if it's you or somebody else you know that's interested in buying or selling, give me a call at 612-859-2594. That number is also text-worthy. And if you're listening to this podcast and you love music, I got a great podcast for you to listen to. It's The Brian Oak Show. Give that a listen anywhere you find your podcasts. Perk and Pie. 
you, you talk about it being, uh, you know, a sport, but you also talk about it being entertainment. And, and the, the, high, the hybridization of that is fascinating to me in, in that the players you're, you're selecting or, or making part of your teams or your franchises, they have to be obviously incredibly skilled and the best of the best um, when it comes to the games. But, but then uh, do you put into consideration then also the marketability, their, their personalities, their personas and, and all that stuff and how they, how they play up to the, to the entertainment portion of all this. Yeah, it's absolutely a consideration, but at the end of the day, we view our competitive teams as winning creates relevancy. And it's really not, not that different of a mindset, I think from traditional sports where, you know, if you are, you know, if you're the GM of the Vikings or the twins or the wild or the wolves, you're going to be looking to put the best, you know, the best team together on on the field, on the court, to win. And winning will create relevance in your market. Now, if you make a big, a big flashy free agent signing, which we actually did this off season, and you can market a build around that, that's all. That's absolutely great, right? Yeah. Like you know, the the Viking, the Vikings marketing staff was super excited when Kirk Cousins was signed because now you have this franchise quarterback that you know that you can do some exciting things around. Um, but you know, what, what we found in, you know, in the year and a half that are now two seasons of our existence is you can sign the biggest names, but if you don't win, nobody cares (laughs) who you (laughs) sign. Right. right. But, but I will say like these individual players have enormous personal fan bases and personal brands, um, in part because the way that you just with the evolution of esports over the last few years, players in, in, in sort of previous previous years were changing teams, you know, multiple team changes per year, significant roster change over year to year. So, so existing esports fans tended to gravitate towards specific players. Um, and that's changing now. Like we want, I think as it gets more professionalized with team organizations like ours, we want more consistency. We want, uh, you know, we want to have the same roster, assuming they're good and they, you know, they meet expectations year after year. That's, that's ideal. Um, But for example, the four starting players on the Minnesota rocker roster, four guys, their social media following together is over 1.5 million people, which I haven't done the math. I I probably should, but I'm pretty sure that's more than the top four players on any sports team in this town. Um, Or at the very least it's, it's gotta be close. Um, So they're, the personal brands and personal fan bases that these sports stars have rivals anything you'll see in traditional sports. Yeah. And, and as far as these players go, they are all, uh, well, pre pandemic, they were all housed um, at a training facility that you have that is sort of adjacent to the Vikings world headquarters there at the TCO performance center in Egan. Um, but you guys are all sort of, it's, it's all part of the same like sporting umbrella basically in the facilities. Am I right? Yeah, exactly. So the Will family has 200 acres in Egan that they're developing and the Vikings complex was on the first 40 acres of that. Um, the rest of it, the, there's an Omni hotel here that just opened. Um, the building that we're in is outside of the Vikings complex. It's actually, we're a tenant, um, you know, they're of, alongside a few others. Uh, the uh, United States Tennis Association Northern office just moved into our building um, Arete Lacrosse, which is an elite lacrosse training program, just moved in downstairs. Um, so it's you know, so not Wilf-owned entities, um, but others in, in you know in the sports and sort of sports and technology space um, 
have are in the same building as ours. So it's like a building where if you come to Vikings training camp, uh, you know, when it, when it's open to the public uh, in the future, uh, you know, knock on wood, like it's basically you would you would like walk right by our office on your way to get into Vikings training camp. There you go. Soon enough, Brad. Keep 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 the faith. <laughs> I'm, I'm positive. Um, what one of the other kind of like eye opening uh, parts of of Rocker, I think, is is the you know, obviously the Wilfs are are pretty, you know, stout owners there. But but uh, Gary V is all, all, always attached to to Minnesota Rocker too, and 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 a lot, so many people are are familiar with him and his his work on so many digital platforms and, and, uh, and his influence. And uh, can you talk about him and what it's like to have him on board and, and part of this as well? Yeah. Yeah. Gary's an amazing um, individual. And for those who, who, who don't know him by name, Gary Vaynerchuk is a uh, really a, an, an entrepreneur is how he got his start. Um, was an early investor in, um, in Google and Facebook and Uber and just, sort of has always been sort of one step ahead of a lot of trends in, you know, in the internet and social media age um, and started his own, um, his own social media and advertising agency. Uh, but he's really a, you know, a visionary from a marketing and content perspective and has really guided a lot of the things that we do. He actually has a longstanding relationship with the Wilfs that goes back before anybody had really, you know, knew who Gary V was or even really who the Wilf family was uh, prior to their ownership with the Vikings, they're from like adjacent towns in, um, in New Jersey. And so you know, they you know, far predates my involvement, but they had been looking for opportunities to work together for a long time. And this was really, really the perfect, uh, perfect opportunity. You know, a lot of Gary's philosophies sort of revolve around, um, you know, not overthinking things from a marketing or a content perspective and, you know, just go do it. And, and that had a lot of influence on us early on. And frankly, it was sort of freeing for me starting a new organization that, you know, we have amazing resources from the Will family and we've built an amazing facility with their, with, um, you know, with their resources and their support, just like the Vikings have, um, you know, but in the first days we were just, you know, just starting out and, you know, sort of Gary's mindset of like, don't wait until you have, you know, all the production built and all the technology built, you know, his, his guidance, you know, very broadly was just, you know, do a podcast, record some videos, talking to the fans, all of those things. And it really actually helped us develop a fan base early on because, you know, early in the start of our first season, our whole league was new um, for, for rocker and call of duty. Um, most teams, even the ones that were coming from the, that had existed in the esports scene for a while, were sort of adjusting to the new landscape um, and we started you know, just doing videos around what was happening in the, in the first stages of free agency. Um, and it was just sort of logical to us. It was, you know, things that I felt like if I was a fan, what would I want to hear from, you know, from the, the team's leadership when they're talking to free agents, et cetera. Um, there were some confusing things around like free agency rules and is there a salary cap and some of those sorts of things. And so we just did videos and talked about it. And it was in a badly lit conference room at the Vikings facility with, you know, with not a great, you know, with the camera that we bought at Best Buy for like a hundred bucks. Um, but because we were one of the only teams in our league talking to fans, we, we earned a lot of fans, um, you know, even nationally uh, through that. And that was very much driven back to your original question um, from Gary's influence of like, don't wait till you have the perfect situation um, to start promoting, you know, start marketing your brand, start creating content around what you're doing. 
Yeah, crank out that content. And the fact that it was well-received, um, you know, it, it, it just goes to show you where this is all going. And, and, and I guess I, I do want to talk about version one, Brett, um, but I also want to talk about the grand scope of esports and where you see it headed and, and just how big this is and where it's going. If you would talk about version one, though, first of all, um, and uh, this, is, this is your new ventures, um, and these ones are not based here in Minnesota um, and are, are the Rocket League and are a Valorant. And can you talk about version one, why it was important to kind of take those next steps? Yep. So as a little bit of background, in the esports world, it's very common for there to be a parent organization that then has multiple teams and multiple games. And as we talked a little bit about earlier, the competitor, the individuals on the teams are all different because they it's that level of specialization, similar to traditional sports. Um, but in a lot of ways, it's somewhat similar for those who are familiar with what you might see in Europe where, um, you know, like FC Barcelona is this enormous soccer team in Spain, but there's a, also a Barcelona basketball team and a, you know, and, and, you know, probably others as well, but a lot of things under that brand and under that umbrella. Esports is very similar. Um, so version one, um, as of about a month ago, is now our parent organization. So most of the things that we do as an organization going forward are our Rocket League team, our Valorant team. Um, we're going to be signing streamers and other areas of content expansion um, in the esports and gaming world. That will all be under the version one brand. Um, and then Minnesota Rocker will live separately because it is a it is a Minnesota focused team. It is a localized team um, rather than version one, which has you know national national aspirations. So you know the the way we look at it. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, feel free to get me on track if I'm drifting too far from your question. But you know, the way we look at it, Minnesota Rocker is a locally focused brand yep. um, that we also secondarily we want to promote it as a national brand. You know, you want to be the Dallas Cowboys, where you have you have a local fan following and a national following. Understand. We've actually seen some seen some positive signs of that with Rocker. Version one is almost the reverse of that, where it's a national, and someday we 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 aspire for it to be an international esports and gaming brand um, that will be based in based here um, in the Twin Cities, and we'll have, you know, we'll obviously do things locally because our staff is here, and we'll have a local presence. Um, but the teams the teams that play under version one um, don't carry a Minnesota you know Minnesota in their name. Um, so it's really a national and international uh, view that we take with with how we're building version one as a as a brand and as a team. And I'm talking to those laymen now again. And when it comes to esports, people are almost dumbfounded at times um, when when I when I talk about it on on the same level as as say the Vikings or United or Twins or Lynx. And and I think that. Um, there people a lot of people just aren't there yet brett um and and yet so many people are and and the numbers are undeniable the the revenues are undeniable and and what's happening on twitch and and so many other platforms is just hard to ignore anymore um and and so the the thought of somebody actually watching somebody else play a video game uh, while stupefying to some is just it's happening and it's happening in in such a, such a large scale that it's 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 it is it is a huge 
huge venture here, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and we look at it through a few different lenses that these are very, very long-term investments um, and, and views, right? Where again, to, to make the analogy of the NFL in the 1920s, um, that's really how we view it. Like where will this league in esports and more broadly be in 10 years, 30 years, 100 years, like that's, you know, there, that's one of the fun things about this role is we will literally go from meeting, like one meeting to the net to another, where we're talking about that long of a, of a planning cycle where we're thinking about, thinking about those things, but then it's also like, okay, how do we get, you know, get a t-shirt made for next, for this event next week. Right. So we're, we're constantly looking at it through both lenses. Um, but, you know, to get more specific with your question, you know, I, I think as, as esports sits currently, it would probably be considered the, I would say, you know, seventh, eighth biggest sport from an audience standpoint. You know, it, it is behind the what you would consider to be the, you know, the big five sports leagues. But it's not that long ago that the big five was the big four, right? And and if you look at like I think MLS as a league and as you know, soccer here has grown in this country has grown so much over the last. 15 or 20 years that these things change over time. The NFL has not always been the dominant sport in America. Um, you know, it's the first Super Bowl didn't sell out. The, you know, the NBA finals in the 1980s were on tape delay. Like those types of trends change over time. And 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 the trajectory that esports is on, you know, it's it's not far off from from attracting the size of audiences and viewership that um, that we would see from you know at least from call it MLS and NHL you know it's probably a few decades away from rivaling the NFL for you know for those you know those the you know 115 million people watching the Super Bowl and that type of thing but we absolutely think it has that trajectory you know the, an interesting thing that you know that those not familiar with esports tend to sort of lump everything together as just esports um, but what, what we really find is that the audiences for each of these games are unique um, and and they consume the sport differently similar to how an nfl fan is not exactly the same as a college football fan and same thing in basketball um, sometimes the people are the same but they might you know you might have different expectations as a fan when you're at a gophers game versus a vikings game or a timberwolves game so you know those are different ways that you know, that these things will evolve over time, but there's no question in our minds that the trajectory that esports is on um, will have it, you know, will have it um, neck and neck with traditional sports over time. No, you're time. right. That's a great point, though, and I hadn't really thought of that because, I mean, Rocket League and Valorant, say, are just so drastically different in, yeah. in, in the gamesmanship. And, 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 and it, yeah, that does make sense that, yeah, these, these are separate audiences, but, but we all lump them together as esports because we just, we just don't know you any better yet. Uh, but, but we're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there, Brad. Yeah, that's kind of what in, I'm in, hoping in a, in a five-minute interview, I don't try to explain that nuance. In a podcast, no, no, but it's yeah, it's fascinating. It's, it's a great point, and and but I think also what esports has that say Major League Baseball would kill for are is this younger generation, right? And and I think that that is what kind of lends itself to such a bright future, don't you think? Because these kids that are growing up with these games and are growing up watching these personalities play these games. Uh, that's something you can't put a price tag on because, because that, that's the group that everybody's trying to grab, right? That attention. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And demographics are our destiny in these cases. And and you know, I, I, there's two things that come to mind when when we talk about this. You know, one is how will people be consuming, and not just sports, but entertainment more broadly in the future, and not just in 2022, but in 2032. And platforms like Twitch and streaming services will just continue to grow in relevancy. And if you if you like zoom way out about why the NFL over time replaced baseball and boxing and horse racing as the dominant dominant sports in America over the course of you know how that evolved over 100 years, a lot of it is because the NFL is a phenomenal TV property. And you see, you see the NFL's growth just tr- it tracks to the, the growth. It sounds, it sounds silly to simplify it this way, but I think it's really true. The NFL's growth really tracks to the growth of the number of TVs in, in households um, from the 1950s on, because the NFL is a perfect product for, for, for America, for how Americans were consuming media. And Esports is the perfect product for the streaming generation, and and there's you know there's more of those people being born every day. And you know, I I, I recently watched I, my my oldest uh, my oldest kid is, is six years old, and you know you can talk all day about you know teenagers are you know are watching you know are consuming esports and gaming content more and more, and you know frankly, candidly, I think sometimes those stats can get a little overblown. Like more people are watching, more more teenagers are watching the NFL than are watching, you know, Minnesota Rocker, but but we're growing fast. But but one thing I one thing that is really sort of had a profound impact on me personally, I was watching our Rocket League team play with my six-year-old and Rocket League is cars playing soccer for those who don't know. Um, so it's a, you know, it's a very family friendly version. There's no shooting in that one. So I'm, I'm watching it with my daughter. The, the, the goals, the goals blow up when they score a goal though, but yeah, but, that's yeah, true. But yeah, yes. yeah, she was one of our play. Like there's these animations that come out of the goals after a score. And one of our players has the stay puff marshmallow man from ghostbusters. There you go. And she was obsessed with that. She was, I think she wanted goals to happen just so she could see the marshmallow man come out. But, um, but it occurred to me while watching this with her, and it was so much fun because, like, she's like, like she knows what's happening. It's you know, it's a super simple concept, and so that was a, that was a very fun moment. But it also sort of dawned on me that, like, my the like my kids' generation, kids that are like in kindergarten now and younger, will never know a world in which esports is not a thing. And when you have people that are growing up um, with that as an entertainment option right alongside traditional sports, like 40 years from now, you will have multiple generations of people that have grown up in that world. And again, the consumption of media habits that change over time um, will just continue to build that relevancy. And I don't think traditional sports is going anywhere. I think, you know, I think the future is bright, um, you know, for the NFL and, and you know, NBA, NHL and, and, and baseball too. Um, but you'll see, you know, you'll see esports continue to grow alongside um, the traditional sports as time goes by. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been fascinating to kind of and and yeah, you you kept it you kept it in the lanes. I appreciate it. You didn't veer too yeah, far I, off. I, some, sometimes I can go down that rabbit hole. So hopefully, You're good. I kept it relevant for the for the audience here. <laughs> You're good, Brett. I listen. I we thank you so much for being a guest on Perkett Pod. Um, continued success. 
uh, rocker on and, um, and all, all, all the best moving forward. We're, we're so excited to see where, where this all goes, man. Yeah, thank you. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to come on. That'll do it for this episode of Perkett Pod. We want to thank our partners, Audio Wiz, Justin Bailey, theme song by Taylor Robert. Keep listening weekly for another episode with Minnesota sports influencers and icons on Perkett Pod. Feel free to share this podcast. Give us a simple subscribe click. It doesn't cost you a thing. Heart us, rate us, double tap us, whatever you want. And until next time, remember, shine bright. Don't be afraid to be weird and open your hearts to inclusion. Peace. Perk and Pond, sometimes he's at play. Perk and Pond, find out what he'll say. Perk and Pond, who's coming on today? Perk and Pond.